Hello and welcome to Reading with Carrie, a mindfulness podcast series that can be used as a sleep aid or to ease your anxiety and relieve your stress. I am your host, Carrie Fable, and I am so thankful that you've decided to spend some time with me. Without sharing details, I have been quite busy these days with projects and personal goals, so when I realized I hadn't prepared anything for my next podcast episode, I started to get a little panicked. What would the story be? Luckily, internet searching has always been good to me. I quickly found Puss in Boots and knew this fun story had to be shared. I honestly never heard the story as a child, at least I don't recall being told it, but the popularity of Shrek makes this fun character hard to forget. First, let's walk through a nice breathing exercise. In a comfortable sitting position, with eyes open or closed, arms wherever they are comfortable, legs in a relaxed position, take note of your body, the shape that it's in, the weight of each limb resting together. Breathe in deeply on a slow count of four. Hold the breath for just a moment and focus on the sensation in your chest. Breathe out on a slow count of four. And listen to your body. Feel the sensations, the touch of each part. The connection of you with the item you are sitting on. A chair, the bed, the carpet. Feel yourself relax. Soften your breath in a slow, steady rhythm. Don't alter your breath. Just feel the natural flow of your breath. Feel how your body naturally goes through the motion. Where do you feel the breath in your body? Can you feel it enter through your nostrils, in your throat, down in your lungs, or deeper in your stomach? Feel the sensations of your breath, and don't try to anticipate the next movement. It's all right if your mind wanders. Just gently refocus back to your breathing. Stay in the moment for a few more breaths. Feel your body in the surroundings. Where do your arms rest? What are your fingertips feeling? Where is your tongue settled in your mouth? Go through each part of the body. Now, what do you hear? How many sounds can you decipher in the room? Does your breathing make a noise? Is your stomach gurgling? Take another deep breath in on a slow count of four. And as you release this breath, feel your relaxed mind slowly come back to this podcast. 
don't rush. Sit in this moment a while. Indulge your sensations in the bliss. Let out a peaceful, audible sigh. You've earned it. And now, here's the story. Puss in Boots is a European folktale written by Charles Perrault, first collected in The Tales of Mother Goose in 1696. Story found on worldoftales.com slash fairy underscore tales dot html. Once upon a time, there was a miller who left no more riches to the three sons he had than his mill, his ass, and his cat. The division was soon made. Neither the lawyer nor the attorney was sent for. They would soon have eaten up all the poor properly. The eldest had the mill, the second the ass, and the youngest nothing but the cat. The youngest, as we can understand, was quite unhappy at having so poor a share. My brothers, he said, may get their living handsomely enough by joining their stocks together. But for my part, when I have eaten up my cat and made me a muff of his skin, I must die of hunger. The cat, who heard all this, without appearing to take any notice, said to him with a grave and serious air, Do not thus afflict yourself, my master. You have nothing else to do but to give me a bag and get a pair of boots made for me, that I may scamper through the brambles, and you shall see that you have not so poor a portion in me as you think. Though the cat's master did not think much of what he said, he had seen him play such cunning tricks to catch rats and mice, hanging himself by the heels or hiding himself in the meal to make believe he was dead, that he did not altogether despair of his helping him in his misery. When the cat had what he asked for, he booted himself very gallantly, and putting his bag about his neck, he held the strings of it in his two forepaws and went into a warren where there was a great number of rabbits. He put bran and sow thistle into his bag, and, stretching out at length, as if he were dead, he waited for some young rabbits, not yet acquainted with the deceits of the world, to come and rummage his bag for what he had put into it. Scarcely was he settled, but he had what he wanted. A rash and foolish young rabbit jumped into his bag, and Monsieur Puss, immediately drawing close the strings, took him and killed him at once. Proud of his prey, he went with it to the palace and asked to speak with the king. He was shown upstairs into his majesty's apartment, and making a long bow to the king, he said, I have brought you, sire, a rabbit which my noble lord, the master of Carabas, for that was the title which Puss was pleased to give his master, has commanded me to present your majesty from him. Tell thy master, said the king, that I thank him, and that I am pleased with his gift. Another time he went and hid himself among the standing corn, still holding his back open, and when a brace of partridges ran into it, he drew the strings, and so caught them both. He then went and made a present of these to the king, as he had done before of the rabbit, which he took in the warren. The king, in like manner, received the partridges with great pleasure, and ordered his servants to reward him. The cat continued for two or three months thus, to carry his majesty, from time to time, some of his master's gain. One day, when he knew that the king was to take the air along the riverside with his daughter, the most beautiful princess in the world, he said to his master, if you follow my advice, your fortune is made. You have nothing else to do but go and bathe in the river, just at the spot I shall show you, and leave the rest to me. The Marquis of Carabas did what the cat advised him to, without knowing what could be the use of doing it. While he was bathing, the king passed by, and the cat cried out with all his might, Help! Help! My lord the Marquis of Carabas is drowning! 
At this noise, the king put his head out of the coach window, and seeing the cat who had so often brought him game, he commanded his guards to run immediately to the assistance of his lordship, the Marquis of Carabas. While they were drawing the poor Marquis out of the river, the cat came up to the coach and told the king that, while his master was bathing, there came by some rogues who ran off with his clothes, though he had cried out, Thieves! Thieves! several times as loud as he could. The cunning cat had hidden the clothes under a great stone. The king immediately commanded the officers of his wardrobe to run and fetch one of his best suits for the Lord Marquis of Carabas. The king was extremely polite to him, and as the fine clothes he had given him set off his good looks, for he was well made and handsome, the king's daughter found him very much to her liking. And the Marquis of Carabas had no sooner cast two or three respectful and somewhat tender glances than she fell in love with him to distraction. The king would have him come into the coach and take part in the airing. The cat, overjoyed to see his plan begin to succeed, marched on before, and, meeting with some countrymen, who were mowing a meadow, said to them, Good people, you who are mowing, if you do not tell the king that the meadow you mow belongs to my lord Marquis of Carabas, you shall be chopped as small as herbs for the pot. The king did not fail to ask the mowers to whom the meadow they were mowing belonged. To my lord Marquis of Carabas, answered they all together, for the cat's threat had made them afraid. You have a good property there, said the king to the Marquis of Carabas. You see, sire, said the Marquis, this is a meadow which never fails to yield a plentiful harvest every year. The master cat, who went still on before, met with some reapers and said to them, Good people, you who are reaping, if you do not say that all this corn belongs to the Marquis of Carabas, you shall be chopped as small as herbs for the pot. The king, who passed by a moment after, wished to know to whom belonged all that corn, which he then saw. To my lord Marquis of Carabas, replied the reapers, and the king was very well pleased with it, as well as the Marquis, whom he congratulated thereupon. The master cat, who went always before, said the same thing to all he met, and the king was astonished at the vast estates of the lord Marquis of Carabas. Monsieur Puss came at last to a stately castle, the master of which was an ogre, the richest ever known for all the lands which the king had then passed through belonged to this castle. The cat, who had taken care to inform himself who this ogre was and what he could do, asked to speak with him, saying he could not pass so near his castle without having the honor of paying his respects to him. The ogre received him as civilly as an ogre could do, and made him sit down. I have been assured, said the cat, that you have the gift of being able to change yourself into all sorts of creatures you have a mind to. That you can, for example, transform yourself into a lion or elephant or the like. This is true, answered the ogre roughly. And to convince you, you shall see me now become a lion. Puss was so terrified at the sight of a lion so near him that he immediately climbed into the gutter, not without much trouble and danger, because of his boots, which were of no use at all to him for walking upon the tiles. A little while after, when Puss saw that the ogre had resumed his natural form, he came down and owned he had been very much frightened. I have, moreover, been informed, said the cat, but I know not how to believe it, that you have also the power to take the shape of the smallest animals. For example to change yourself into a rat or a mouse. But I must own to you, I take this to be impossible. Impossible, cried the ogre. You shall see. And at the same time he changed himself into a mouse and began to run about the floor. Puss no sooner perceived this than he fell upon him and ate him up. 
Meanwhile, the king, who saw as he passed this fine castle of the ogres, had a mind to go into it. Puss, who heard the noise of his majesty's coach coming over the drawbridge, ran out and said to the king, Your majesty is welcome to this castle of my lord Marquis of Carabas. What? My lord Marquis? cried the king. And does this castle also belong to you? There can be nothing finer than this courtyard and all the stately buildings which surround it. Let us see the interior, if you please. The Marquis gave his hand to the young princess and followed the king, who went first. They passed into the great hall, where they found a magnificent collation, which the ogre had prepared for his friends, who were that very day to visit him, but dared not to enter, knowing that the king was there. His majesty, charmed with the good qualities of the lord of Carabas, as was also his daughter, who had fallen violently in love with him, and seeing the vast estate he possessed, said to him, It will be owing to yourself only, my lord Marquis, if you are not my son-in-law. The Marquis, with low bows, accepted the honor which his majesty conferred upon him, and forthwith that very same day married the princess. Right off the bat, I have two thoughts. Puss is very similar to the fox from Kuzma and the Fox. They even use the same trick. But secondly, the master knew that this cat could talk, but he was still planning to literally eat him? Fairy tales can be quite odd. So, considering the takeaway from this, I came up with two options. I find it touching that the cat held such loyalty to his master, when clearly he was quite capable of advancing himself, or at least fending for himself. There is also the obvious climb in social standing for the master, but this is done through trickery. I think combining these takeaways flows quite nicely. We often want to improve our life situation and feel like we will do anything to get what we want. Remember the last story the lady promised? O'Donohue literally sold his soul to the devil to get the power to shapeshift. The story didn't say he earned his wealth and his castle through this changeling ability. So it was simply his lust or greed that pushed him for such a show-stopping skill. There's also that common phrase of, remember the little people when you're big and famous. It's the concept that as you rise up and you become more important to society, your life is somehow more important than another's. But if we live our life with honesty, loyalty, and integrity, we may not rise as quickly to success as we'd want, but our successes will be true and genuine. There won't be any regrets or slices of humble pie waiting for us down the road. Here's a closing quote that relates to the story in many ways. If put to the pinch, an ounce of loyalty is worth a pound of cleverness. Albert Hubbard Thank you for listening. I welcome you back anytime you may need to hear a comforting voice or a familiar bedtime story. 